Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, Swam Lou. This episode, along with every episode this season, is presented by our sponsor, KFC. Joining me on the podcast this week is um, someone who met the GOAT, Katie Heindel. <laughs> Can we start there? We'll start with a very positive thing, yeah. and then we'll go into what's <laughs> what's wrong with our beloved Raptors. But can we start with the positive, at least? Please, please. Uh, yeah, I was like, I guess I'm still buzzing the most off of that <laughs> from last night's game meeting Doris Burke. Unreal. Yeah. Unreal. You look so happy in this photo. I was so happy. If you haven't already, go find, <laughs> go find Katie's Twitter account at WTEVS and find her photo with Doris Burke. Wow. This, you look so overjoyed. I was overjoyed. And the poor NBA TV guy that took that photo. <laughs> Who <laughs> oh. was like, I was like, excuse me, um, will you take my picture with Doris? And she was just laughing. Wow. And he was like, looked at me first and was kind of like, who's this now? And then looked behind me and was like, oh, my God, yes. <laughs> um, and then he got into it, which I was glad for. But, yeah, she was just like so gracious, like super generous, very kind, shared some encouraging words, asked me what I was working on. Oh, I was like, oh, okay, and like tried my best to run through it. But yeah, just like a regular ass woman uh, who is kind of like the godfather on court, like everyone coming up to her and just being like, wow, Doris, hey, Doris, touching her gently on the shoulder, kissing her ring. No, but like (laughs) she's uh, she's cool. She's really cool. And it was like a very kind of surreal experience yeah and you said she thanked you for coming up to she talk to her me. yeah yeah that's that's amazing yeah that's amazing because i was like at first i was like i'm really sorry i know you're working like i don't mean to bother you at work she was like it's no bother and then after everything she was just like thank you so much for coming up to me you don't know how much that means to me it's like jesus wow. christ <laughs> yeah and then the rest All right. of the game happened, and my adrenaline <laughs> spike just crashed. <laughs> yeah, let's let's revisit the the Kawhi Leonard return uh, from start to finish, and then we can kind of go on to sort of. I think you and I should try to fix the Raptors. Yeah, let's so, do it. Why I, not? If anyone, can. we will fix the. Definitely, <laughs> it's it's definitely not Nick Nurse and his uh, brilliant assistant coaching staff. It's just you and me mm-hmm. over Skype, but. Uh, <laughs> But before we do that, though, the Kawhi game. So the Raptors lose what one twelve to ninety two. The score doesn't really matter as much as sort of how the game went um, and sort of the emotions around the game. So coming into the game, what were your feelings and thoughts? What did you think it was going to be like, and how did the actual game or spectacle compare to that? Yeah, like I guess I was kind of tentatively surprised uh, and like pretty hopeful with how that first quarter started. Like they came out really strong and there was almost this like mm-hmm. i i knew it, at first i was like it's gonna be a fight like all the way through but it initially seemed almost like effortless like there were these waves that the clippers were kind of throwing at them and then the raptors just yep. seemed to kind of ride them really well and like look for the next one they were like getting good looks they were making good shots they were playing well i thought on like both ends but there was like a real easy flow to the game so i guess that should have been my cue to realize this can't last. <laughs> yeah. Because the Clippers aren't a team that's like anything's going to be easy with. That was the thing. It, it felt like I think I, I, I was recognized that game because I saw the Raptors play a lot of those games last year where like they started off a little slow and then they just decided like we're going to turn it on. 
And it's not even like we're going to have to try that hard, but it's just the other team was kind of way more dysfunctional than mm-hmm. the Raptors. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't really know what to do. And it was a little odd and a little jarring seeing Because I, I agree. I didn't think the, the Clippers played that hard. I don't think it was their best game. I thought the Raptors came out with a lot of energy. I thought OG came out uh, really determined. Norman Powell was determined throughout. Um, you know, Kyle made some plays. And defensively, they were, they were doing pretty well. But then, um, yeah, it's just, wow. It's just It kind of just fell apart. Um, even before that, though. Mm-hmm. Even before that. The ceremony to get mm. him the ring. <laughs> And the lights to light up uh, Kawhi's shot, which I thought was incredibly well done. Whoever thought that, um, it, it was very, very clever. Um, what were your emotions throughout that ceremony? That was super cool. Like, that was, I mean, everybody was kind of waiting for that. And I think there was this kind of, this, like, bated breath, like, really high energy going into it. Um, and, I mean, I knew I was going to get worked up at the montage, but then a part of mm-hmm. me was extremely confused because I was so captivated by the montage that when all the lights went out, I was like, oh, damn, something's gone wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I didn't look down right away at the net that they had, like, lit up. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, like, when they did that the footprints thing, which was extremely cool, I thought it was yeah. great. Like, the thing I like the best in those situations, and I think it will be the same when Danny gets his ring, is, like, watching the Clippers watch the montage and watching them watch Kawhi Mm -hmm. and like how excited they were for him because they were kind of the excitement proxy because the only time, which I did love, but the only time Kawhi got really like kind of broke that character was when he was hugging Mm -hmm. Lowry uh, and when they were like looking at the ring together. But I don't know. I thought it was like pretty tight that all the Raptors were on the court with him. Um, and he just like went up to everyone individually. Like that part was, I guess, a bit short and sweet. But I think mm-hmm. you forget, or I forgot. It's like, oh yeah, that like that's Kawhi. That's how it was gonna be. Yeah, I was gonna say that's exactly how he, he wants these things to be. Yeah. And honestly, one of the things I was really uh, that really took me by surprise was the sudden presence of Jody Meeks. <laughs> Jody, are you in the city? Like, are you just around? Maybe, do you want to come on the podcast? Maybe, like, can we talk? I wish Jody because... was at the the hoop talks the night before when I really gave him a specific <laughs> shout out uh, in my yeah. in my presentation of basketball feelings. <laughs> I, I told, I, like, like I told you the other night, it was the top two PowerPoint I've watched. <laughs> um, but yeah, Jody Meeks was there, which is uh, a nice surprise. Uh, I didn't know he would be around and available for it, but. It was real adorable. Uh, and, and to your point about with Kyle, I mean, it was a little interesting because throughout the year, it felt like Serge and Kawhi were best friends mm-hmm. on the team. They had definitely the most moments together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, but it felt like Serge was sort of much more in the background, at, at least, you know, the, the small sliver of interactions that we got to see as media. Um, meanwhile, you know, Kyle kind of did most of the talking and, and hugging. And even after the game, you know, the Raptors down 20, the game's over. Um, you know, the players usually go into that tunnel anyway, the same tunnel together, but uh, it felt like most of the team hung around to, you know, Norm, OG, Kyle, hung around to sort of greet Kawhi one more time and walk down the tunnel together with like a million cameras around them. Mm-hmm. So it was a night. I'm, I'm happy everyone's happy and I'm, I'm, and I'm really happy that uh, all, all the fans really gave him a huge ovation because Kawhi deserves it, you know? Like, I really don't see what Kawhi did wrong in any of this. No. Uh, maybe you can yeah. bristle with like, how free agency was handled a little bit, but like literally no one is ever happy with free agency unless you sign the player. So yeah, there was no, to me, like there was really no legs to that. Like, is he going to get booed? And I thought that was like, it's kind of an, if you want to look at it in like a dichotomy way, it's kind of interesting of like maybe fandom in the States versus like here. Um, Mm -hmm. But like, he can't, I think the understanding was always just like, even if he left in a way that was like a LeBron leaving Cleveland, (laughs) The first time way, mm. I honestly don't think the reactions would have been to to boo him, because it's just like what he delivered is that's like that's in the Raptors' history now. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like it goes above and beyond him. Anyway, it was like yeah. a beautiful ceremony. Uh, he was so happy. His comments about the engraving really <laughs> threw me for a loop because <laughs> I was like. I just want to say, Wait, like, what did he when, say again? This... when that question got asked, like, what's 
in the ring? Like, what did you have engraved in the ring? Which uh, Sirat asked him, like, props mm-hmm. to her for just going for it. But like, yeah, for sure. He, what he said, it was dead silent after. No one even laughed because I think everyone was like, is this for real? And is it, is he trolling us? Is this like the deepest troll of all time? <laughs> or like, that's always the question you got to ask. Yeah. Why. Because yeah, it was Always. like, who with the middle finger before? And then the way he explained it to me right away, I took it as like instructional. Like he's like, yeah, I mm-hmm. have the middle finger engraving so I know which finger to put it on. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. That Yeah, I mean, honestly, you never know with Kawhi. You just really don't. Mm-mm. You really don't know. Um, So, yeah, I mean, as for the game itself, yeah, uh, as we mentioned, you know, it got off to a good start, but then kind of dysfunctional Gross. through yeah. various spurts, <laughs> and the, the the Clippers just kind of moved ahead with the game. But like, um, yeah, it was just it was kind of jarring to me, you know. Like it, again, it, it's just I thought the Raptors would give the Clippers a a big fight in that game. I thought obviously the players were motivated to um, not that they're not always motivated, but there's definitely more games. Just like more days of work, you come in and you're more like motivated. Like I'm gonna go get this. And it felt like that was at least something that was present when the Raptors played the Clippers in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And that game was very close until the very end where the, where the Raptors completely you know, ran out of steam and couldn't generate any offense whatsoever. And tonight, or last night, it felt very much like they were trying, but they just didn't know how to play. And ultimately, they lost. And, you know, I, I kind of wish they played Kawhi a little closer. I, I kind of wish that the game... Uh, especially on national television, um, you want the Raptors to play at their best. But I, I think it's just kind of you know indicative of what they're doing right now. Like they're clearly in a slump, and they had to figure some things out. Yeah, they look like I mean they look super tired. They look like really just kind of like burnt out and almost like out of it. The thing I'll, I'll mm-hmm. say like I wish like what you said about just like I wish they put some more pressure on Kawhi. But it seemed like whatever strategy they were trying, whether they were, like, doubling up on guys, like, whatever they were trying to do, like, going to that weird, like, gig- not weird, but it was, like, the gigantism lineup at the end. Yeah, that was I, that was weird. No, that was just weird. When 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 Chris Boucher was playing small forward for extended stretches, that was, that was yeah. strange. But, like, they didn't they didn't stick with anything and I get like the inclination to say like okay that's not working let's try something else but I think like when you're in an energy slump like that if you can't get it Mm -hmm. going on any other like in any other way like if you can't fire on all cylinders then maybe just stick with one thing that's kind of working and see if you can like you know really press press with that but they didn't they were kind of like haphazardly just like throwing out new things where they could um and like nothing Nothing was really working, and I think, if anything, that just, like, made everybody more tired, more exhausted, because they were just chasing, chasing, chasing all night. Yeah. And that's, hey, that's again, you know, that's when there's a really good team versus a team that's, <laughs> you know, has to kind of, like, uh, you know, janky their way through a game, and it's just a clear difference. <laughs> and it's a little sad now that the Raptors are that other team. But I, I do think that there's enough talent on the roster that they can get to back to being that good team. Because let's not forget this team started out 15-4. and four. You and I were at the Jazz game where you wrote this lovely piece on Mike Conley and Fred Van Bleet and the parallels in their career. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and I were at the Jazz game. And in that first half, it was like probably the best basketball I've seen there since, uh, well, I mean, since the title. But, uh, you know, just amazing, incredible display. They're up 40 and they're, you know, they go into the week what 50 or uh, 15 and 4 and mm-hmm. it felt very much now like there has to be some kind of balance right the raptors have to be somewhere between this stretch where they're one and four with you know really it's like 0.5 and 4.5 because like that bulls game they only beat them by one uh and there has to be some sort of happy media between that and also the start of the season when the 15 and four so i ask you based on the talent of this roster where do you see it sort of where is it, where is it supposed to be what who are the real raptors I mean, this is kind of the interesting question. And this is the question I left the game last night thinking about is just like, you've got this narrative, this holdover narrative still from last season of of being champs. And like, absolutely they are. You can't take that away from them. But there is a point when like, you need to step away from that and realize like the Raptors, while a lot of the pieces are still there, they're an entirely different team. And I think now is where you're seeing this sort of like struggle and work at at like, 
them kind of shearing away the facade from like the bones of what the team is and, and how they're going to have to like work going forward. I think maybe the more Mm -hmm. interesting thing and like not a bad thing, but something I think, you know, we as like fans and writers have to get comfortable with is it's not going to be effortless for Toronto this year. Like they're going to have to work. They're going to have these, like, I, I suspect they're going to have more of these kind of slump stretches I don't want a lot of them, but I think they're going to, they're going to spike. It's going to be like an ebb and flow season. It's not just going to be like a straight shot season. I think they're still going to end up with a great record, um, but it's going to take a lot of work to get there. And I know the playoffs were a long stretch and a lot of work, but in some ways last season, we had a really wonderful, easier coast of a time. Um, Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. And I think we got off t- on this season because you had like Lowry was out, Ibaka was out, and they were playing so well for such a, a solid stretch. It did seem like, oh, like they don't even need these key pieces to be competitive mm-hmm. uh, and to look right. amazing. But there's going to be like tapers with that because all these guys are also like getting used to more usage. Like Siakam's mm-hmm. getting used to just like being in that key position. I mean, Fred, like Fred being yeah. last night, you saw like what could happen when just like that one piece is out and how it's going to throw off the team. So I think like, I think it's just going to be a challenging season and we've got to mm-hmm. get comfortable with like, you know, taking, taking the lows is like a bit of a, like a chip, you know, like a chip on the shoulder uh, and realize right. you can ride those up again to like the highs because they'll have them again. But there's got to be, like, a lot of retooling. I don't think anything can, like, stay the same this season. That's a good point. This is why we have you on the podcast. So <laughs> Thanks. For this, for this wise perspective <laughs> and the levity that you bring into the show. Um, I think you're absolutely right. I, I think if you look at it, even just from a bigger picture standpoint, uh, they had a formula for a very long time, DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. And, like, everyone could fit in around that system. Mm-hmm. Those two guys, they were, for the most part, very healthy, very productive, especially in the regular season. And so everyone could function around that. Um, you know, and that was there. And then Kawhi comes in. And then there's the, okay, there's the, the two teams kind of system where, you know, Kawhi runs the offense and then the Raptors run the offense. But still, there was still structure there. And this year, with Kawhi gone and Kyle Lowry out of the lineup, it really Kyle has not been at his best since coming back. Not even close. Um, there's just the structure isn't quite there, and then you throw Fred out of that lineup, where Fred is definitely one of the people that brings uh, organization and structure to the team. Mm-hmm. You factor that in as well, and it's like not a surprise, I guess, that these guys are, you know, in disarray. Like when I watched them, for example, like yesterday, I was thinking, who on the team is making good decisions? And aside from Marcus Saul last night, and maybe <laughs> Kyle, it, and it was just kind of it. Like you know, Norm kind of. He scored well, as he normally does, but made some horrendous turnovers. And just decision-making is not a strength for Norm. It's He's way better when someone decides for him. Mm-hmm. Um, OG, you know, he generally is a pretty smart player. Um, so I don't want to knock him too much. But it felt like he was trying to press. And it felt very much like OG was trying to score 20 points, which never f- seems to be his character. Uh, and he looked a little bit out of character shooting a bunch of shots. Like, it's one possession where he, I think he got his own rebound, and he just shot it again. And it's like, and he missed again. And I was like, yeah, is that what we're supposed to be doing here? Um, so it felt very much like, you know, Mark has only been the, the the guy in the room, at least, that's sort of consistently making the right decisions. And that's why if you look over the last five games, the averages and things like that, you know, plus minus is not always the greatest stat. But I think it's pretty telling that the whole team, everyone in the rotation is minus in the last five games. Except for Marcus Gasol, who's still a plus 4.4 in 30.5 minutes. And I just think that that's a reflection of one guy in the room is making the right decisions and everyone else is kind of scrambling. Mm-hmm. But they don't really know what they're doing. And if you do that in a basketball game, you're going to lose. Mm-hmm. Especially against good teams. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really good point. Like, what you said about leadership. Um, and just, like, a lot... That's something that, like, a lot of the new core hasn't had a chance to, like, step into and get used to yet. Aside from Fred. You know, you've got Powell, mm-hmm. like Siagam is like kind of good sometimes with the decision making and other times, you know, when yeah. he just like blasts through things, it's like, you could have really given that a bit more thought, dude. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah. it's weird. Cause if you look at some of the stats from last night's game, like 
the tur- they were like slightly better with turnovers than the Clippers were. They had like better mm-hmm. offensive rebounding. They had these like really telling positive stats, but it's like they they were just losing all those opportunities. And I think, like you said, they lost those opportunities because of very poor decision making. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. Um, I mean, like, let me know what you think about this. But regardless of like the fact that he's just coming back and getting used to it, I do have this sense of watching Lowry when he is playing is that he's kind of not that he's reluctant to make those decisions, but he's almost like taking a slight step back because I feel like he he's like wants someone else to step up. In a in a way that he I think is being a leader and encouraging like these dudes to someone's gotta like make those decisions in his absence when he can't right but like no yeah. real contender save for Fred when he's on the floor has like emerged yet and I think like for it going to Gasol just because he's a veteran and he is quite smart but like he still can't make a lot of those like tactical decisions that they need no. No, and Mark is doing his best offensively. He, I think he's actually been pretty really good defensively. Last night, oh my god, he gave Patrick Beverly he, a concussion. <laughs> he did. I mean, he was like uh, diving on the floor and and watching him dive and then get back up. The 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 speed in which someone like Mark gets back up versus like I don't know if Pascal hits the floor and he bounces right back. Mm-hmm. It's it's um, it, it makes you appreciate like how much Mark is doing, especially at his age. But um. Yeah, I mean, you know, Mark is not really the guy that's supposed to create that much offense. No, like the the fact that he's he's a, more of a facilitator. Um, like you know, he can organize offense because he's at the top of the floor, and then he can say, "Hey, you guys over there, cut off, you know, split off each other. Someone go to the basket. And I'll probably find you cutting, and you'll you'll score a layup." Like those are the moments where I'm like, "That's the offense working." But right now, when I'm looking at Kyle, it doesn't really feel like there's a even when he does sort of assert himself on the game, which does kind of come in and out, and sometimes it's too much, sometimes it's too little. Um, but even when he is asserting himself onto the game, it doesn't really feel like he can consistently get the Raptors a shot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, he can have the ball a lot, and he's going to have a lot of assists. And he makes very quick snap decisions, so when there's, like, moments of transition or moments of sort of uh, chaos and breakdown off an offensive rebound, for example, Kyle can make a great pass. But it feels like in a set play, when you ask Kyle right now to set something up for the team, I don't think it's really working that well. Like, for example, the Kyle Lowry play from last year that I really thought was kind of a staple of the offense, especially early in the season, was Kyle Lowry running pick and roll with Serge Ibaka. And I feel like they would have scored like six points a game just off that combo alone. Mm -hmm. And since they've come back together, I don't even think they've ran one successful pick and roll. And that's in five (laughs) games. It's very odd. Yeah, it is. It is weird. I don't know. And I don't know. I don't really buy into um, it being like he's rusty or like Ibaka's rusty, which I know like nurses like said a couple of times because like I get they haven't been playing in the same capacity, but they're not also like oblivious players. You know, those are both like two players that play close attention. I know Serge can kind of run hot and cold (laughs) in terms of like how much he seems like he's sort of mentally in the moment and like committed to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I don't know. It's interesting. It's just like, again, I think like, I know this is for the purpose of a podcast that we're reading into it a lot, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I think as a whole, when you look at like this stretch and then like the season to come, um, we shouldn't get too bogged down in this. That's true. That's true. I, I think uh, really, I, I think it's just, it's good for them to work out these problems like right now. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of later in the year, uh, I think it's also happening at a time where they're playing really tough competition, so they really expose the flaws. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think like and, you know. Sorry, go ahead. No, go no. You, you, you go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, I feel like they just need a bounce game. They kind of need like a trampoline style game to like get them <laughs> back up into that upper echelon of energy, and like that could be the Nets. Yeah. It could be the Cavs. Like those are two games. It's like. I'm happy that those are up next, you know? The Nets also won't mm-hmm. be easy because they're a very weird, like, flinging energy around style team. Like, sometimes they're total trash and sometimes they're, like, very sneaky good. So um, yeah. that can also be really fun because I think when the Raps have a just an easy win, it doesn't really service them in the same way that, like, a really fun kind of weird game does. That's true. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you want to feel like you're earning it a little bit in a way. Um, but I do think that you know, even against a game like the Nets, yeah, I, I thought that first time for that bounce back game was going to be that Bulls game when they they yeah, lose. I did too. And they're just like, hey, 
uh, okay, we're going to play, and like, you know, the Philly game, they're, they're down for most of the game, and then they, they, they play that crazy full-court press, and they um, not almost tie the game, but at least give Philly a lot to think mm-hmm. about. And then the next night, it's like, all right, they're going to just jump all over the Bulls, and it just never really happened, you know? Yeah. And <laughs> I, I just think there's some of the stuff they got to figure out. I think Kyle and Serge, they're definitely not fully healthy, and they're and especially not even just fully healthy, but they're just not in a great rhythm. Mm-hmm. It feels like Serge is moving a little bit slower than usual. And Serge is shooting 30% from the field since coming back. And Kyle is shooting 28.6% from the field since coming back, including 20.5% from three. Um, and it's just tough, especially for older guys. If, if you're just even losing a little bit, if you're just lacking in, in your athleticism just a little bit, and because you have this injury or here and there, and you're not in rhythm, then it's very easy to have a bad game. Yeah. You know, it's... It's one thing if you're younger, you can physically overpower some things. You can you can play through it. For guys like Kyle and Serge, it's just it's tough to watch them. And, and really, I thought Serge against the Clippers. I mean, not only were, did Kawhi give him very little love as his friend, who made him eat beef penis, but also like <laughs> Serge just really played no part in contributing to the Raptors. Uh, you know, last night he was honestly one of the Raptors. He was the worst Raptors worst player last night, and it was it was hard to watch him because. He was completely disengaged, and it hasn't really seemed like there has been that classic Serge Ibaka, mm-hmm. you know, five minute stretch where he makes all these hustle plays and he's scoring and he's and he's yelling at the crowd and he's dunking um, and he's blocking shots and it's like wow that's Serge and he can flip a game for you. Uh, it just hasn't happened in the last five games. If anything, he just looks kind of, um, you know, statuesque. He's just standing there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. like a model, but also like. <laughs> Like a someone who can't model. move, like a yeah. statue. Yeah, <laughs> I think too. Like the what happened last night and seemed like noticeably lacking is like these these dudes, like Terrence Davis, Rondé, like guys that, and even like Boucher to a degree. It's like guys that you mm-hmm. kind of got used to like stepping in and like um, filling the void in like a really big way and like big and splashy way. Were also like a little bit quiet uh, and seemed like kind of put off by the Clippers. Uh, so when you lose those pieces too, along with the leaders, like who do you have? You have the crazy Gigantor lineup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Patrick McCaw just like do, do, flailing. <laughs> Uh, Pat McCaw coming in is always really funny because they're always like, wait, wait, why is he in the game? And then he doesn't really do much. And then you're just like, why did he come? Like, at all. And he's also a little bit like, why am I here? I mean, he took one shot yesterday. That was, um, or two, actually. He took two shots yesterday. Bless you, Pat. It was a start. (laughs) But he did did give the classic uh, zero, 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 zeros across the board. That was a little strange that he came in. But I don't blame him also because, like, he came in with a lineup that just wasn't like like you mentioned. It was weird. Like Nick Nurse played two lineups that were incredibly strange. One of them was Kyle Lowry with Pascal at two and Chris Boucher at three, and Baca at four, and Marcus off five. Very very odd. And then before that though, it was even more weird because Pascal is essentially playing point guard. Terrence Davis is more of a two guard. He wasn't really handling the ball much. And then I think it was Rondé, uh, Boucher, and Ibaka. And and I think. Right now, you're kind of seeing Nick kind of say, all right, this lineup, this formula isn't working. What can I do to change up the game? And it seems like ever since that Sixers game where he went big and had some success with it, he's been more and more intrigued with what does my team look like with a bunch of length on the floor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's one thing to look at it for sure. But if you're already right now lacking in structure and you don't have someone who can set up the table for you from a possession by possession basis with any consistency to get a good shot then it makes it even harder to run these funky lineups because it's if you had a Kawhi out there for example operating and and basically being the hub of the offense while there everyone else can just play defensive be long and and, you know weird uh you can kind of get by but right now with everyone in flux it's it's a little harder to pull that off yeah no absolutely and I mean you're seeing the reverse of it work in the Clippers favor like with Kawhi being like You've got you've got like the same sort of like disparate pieces on the Clippers, like dudes that play really well individually, but maybe don't fuse together that well, at, like you know as they did last season. And then you get the piece, the glue guy, like you get the the Kawhi, which they literally mm-hmm. did, uh, and it kind of like fuses and melds everything together, which is exactly what happened to the Raptors last season. So now we're just like on the other side of that, and the Clippers are like living that. Living that truth for themselves. 
Ugh. and it's working. <laughs> I really don't like the Clippers. I don't but... mind them. They remind me so much of the Raptors. I guess. They do. And that maybe that's There's why some... you hate them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's mostly because they tampered with Kawhi all year and got him in the end. <laughs> that, that, that hurts me more than anything else, but, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. So, let's fix the Raptors. Okay. Let's fix the Raptors. Let's try. Let's start with a five-point plan. <laughs> let's let's Marie Kondo the Raptors. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna list off players, and okay. you could tell me if they spark joy or not. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Pascal Siakam. Yeah, he sparks joy. One hundred percent. But sometimes he sparks like frustration in the sense that you want him to be better. <laughs> yeah. But then you remember he's young, and when he has spurts where he's great, you're like, wow, that's why I love him. And then he has spurts while he's not great, and you're like, that's why he's young. That's why but he's you, frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. But he, but, I will say he could spark joy for me a little bit better if he uh, starts doing some more, like, splashy, like, dunks again. Like, that's exactly what they mm-hmm. needed last night. Go harder in the paint. And he had a couple of dunks in the end there where I was like, he did. hey, he did. that was great. Like, he had a power post-up move against Paul George where he overpowered him and got up for a layup. And I was like, hey, that's great. Like, you know, you're bigger than most of these guys. You can do it. Last year, he had a great game against Paul George when OKC came to town. You know? Yeah. A couple just... of times, it seemed like he remembered, even if he was getting doubled up on, he could still, like, flip through them because he's Pascal. And, like, he has yep. all these kinds of, like, crazy, rangy, quick moves. But he, mm-hmm. once he remembered that, he would sort of flip through them. Uh, and that was great. But he would, like, periodically forget. So, yes, he sparks joy. Uh he sparks feelings, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, definitely. I mean, and also his jumper has been off recently, yeah. which is a little dis- disappointing. But, I mean, I think it's kind of re- realistically, we can expect his, his shooting to waver. He's not a consistent shooter to the point where you can just run everything through him like a Kawhi Leonard, for example. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's he, he kind of takes a couple jumps early in the game. He sees, can I make a shot today? Yes? Okay, I'll keep shooting. <laughs> And if, he's, if, he, if he misses a couple, he's like, okay, I'm an unselfish player. I have other people on my team. Let's go through them. Um, and, you know, I don't mind that approach, but I also do think that if you're going to succeed as a number one guy, I, I do think you need a more consistent jumper. In the last five games, Pascal shooting 20% from three. So that hurts. It would help if he got to the free throw line more just to offset it a little bit. But, again, these are all things you can learn. But ultimately, Pascal is very much someone that sparks joy. Mm-hmm. The number two score in the last five games has been none other than Norman Powell. <laughs> Does Norman Powell spark joy? This is a very tough question. Norman Powell sparks a kind of confusion. <laughs> yeah. For me, and like when we talk about consistency with Norman Powell, he's consistently sparking confusion with me. But mm. uh, last night he did because when I looked up and I was like, wait a second, Norm's got more points on the board than Kawhi. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when Norm is kind yeah. of like flying around out there like he's on skates, like that sparks joy. Um, right. But. Norm, uh, with his, as we said before, his, like, sometimes poor decision-making, uh, not so much. Sometimes. Yes. So, uh, like, mm. does he spark joy for you? Uh, I mean, I think it's very hard to know how to feel about Norm. I think he's <laughs> undeniably been one of the Raptors' best scorers in this stretch and that they've really needed some scoring. And, I mean, it's, the results are good. He's averaging 17 points per game. He's shooting 50% from the field. The three-point percentage is 32, but, I mean, realistically, he's had to press a little bit for his offense. I don't know what it is with Norm. I think it is just, like, decision-making is is poor, and when you see someone make bad decisions, you're just kind of more frustrated than someone who can't do as much but makes good decisions, uh-huh. like Mark, for example. Um, I think I think Norm, we know exactly how Norm is going to be successful. I think if decisions are made for Norm, like if Kyle Lowry's passing the ball to him in transition and he's going in, or if Marcus Saul is finding him on a cut, he's scoring, or people are you know running around and kicking it out to Norm and he's kick, uh, you know catching and shooting, then he's successful. Anytime he has to make his own decisions, then he does not spark joy for me. <laughs> and unfortunately, with Fred out uh, and the rest of the offense kind of being uh, you know not on running on full cylinders, he's had to run a lot of his own offense and. Yeah. yeah so his like it's, mm. it's like his reluct his own reluctancy i think then like funnels down to us watching him uh and that's yeah. what i think makes me reluctant to like go all in on norm because like you just 
you just see these like great flashes, but then you know there is probably a regression coming. So mm-hmm. Norm just needs to like fully embody uh, if he's gonna be this confusing <laughs> like anomaly <laughs> player. Yeah. He just needs to like fully embody that and be like, you know what? Sometimes I am going to make a shitty decision, guys, but I made a decision rather than waffle. Okay. I like it. Okay. Ultimately, he still sparks joy. Kyle Lowry, does he still spark joy? Yes. I have to say yes. at, at that jazz game that we were talking about, it, I saw like mm-hmm. Lowry um, right before. No, I think it was right at the like at the end. Like most people had cleared out. Uh, it was super quiet, and he was just like leaning on a, a, a fence, like in the arena tunnel, like chatting with a security guard or something. But he was like mm-hmm. just in a suit, looked really happy, relaxed at home. And I was like, "Yeah, fuck, like Kyle Lowry, you know? I want more yeah, this of that is his house. feeling on the court." But Lowry, mm-hmm. like Lowry's never not going to spark joy for me. Yeah, here's the thing, Lowry's. Uh... I think he's in an older portion of his career. I think the start of the year was, I mean, I don't know. I mean, how many times have we said, Kyle Lowry's off to his incredible start to the year, and then he gets hurt, and he comes back, and then he's, like, a little off. Mm-hmm. It's, like, the same thing that happened last year and the year before that and things like that. I would say with Kyle, really the only things that don't spark joy is that, like, it seems like he he's he's very upset most of the games. And I understand. Like, I've, it's not my first time watching Kyle Lowry. I've watched him very closely for the last, like, seven years now. Kyle Lowry's an emotional guy. He's going to go at people. That's His whole ethos is, like, you know, a big middle finger to the world, and I can do anything. But, you know, it just seems like, especially when anything goes wrong, he's just screaming at the officials all the time. And, I don't know, I kind of almost miss Kawhi Leonard. Uh, well, I mean, I miss Kawhi Leonard, definitely. Not sort of. <laughs> but, like, I, de- I definitely miss that aspect of, like, the calming presence of just, like, honestly, man... It's fine. Let's just focus on exposition. Uh-huh. Yeah, just get back on defense. Whatever. Let's just stay in the game. And it feels almost like Kyle Lowry's... I don't know. I mean, it's not like the first time he's complained to officials. Uh, but it's just... It's been so much of it. And it's been a lot of foul baiting as well. And, you know, the downside of the foul baiting is if the call doesn't come, then Kyle is out of the play because he's on the floor. And the shot's missed. And they're going the other way for a transition score. And then Kyle Lowry's upset and screaming at the officials the next time. And then trying to go and make the same play happen again... And it's just like at that point, what are we doing? Like, can we can we just can we just run the offense and play, you know, normally? I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I realize I'm complaining. What am I saying about Nor- about Kyle? Is not a new thing with him, but <laughs> I guess it's more annoying when they lose. I mean, he's just say. like he's in a position now where he's almost got to find like a, a direction again because like for so yeah. long it was like him and Demar lost Demar, got Kawhi, had Kawhi. That was a direction. Uh, and now he's like last Kawhi, and now he, as you said, like through all of that, is kind of like riddled with injuries as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, and that's gonna like stagger him and throw him off. So it's just like that must be not to like put it all on that, but that kind of like stutter step through the last few years, that's gonna like take a toll on somebody. Yeah. Also, who's Kyle's friend on the team now? That's what I mean. It's very odd. Yeah, I don't know that. You know, he's like he's kind of, he's like everybody's friend in a way, but he doesn't have like his person, and I think he always works well mm-hmm. when he has that when he has that person. Yeah, someone to calm him down a little bit. You know, like the yeah. amount of times Demar will come over and just give Kyle a hug or a noogie or something like that. Yeah, just to like like hey Kyle. Relax. Let's play basketball. Because he's like purely. Let's not play a fit lawyer at the referee. Like <laughs> he's like purely the leader now, and that's not something yeah. he's ever had. That's true. That's true. It's a it's a it's a tough time for Kyle. I think he'll get through it. I mean, the way Raptors fans are with Kyle reminds me very much of my grandparents, and they just like bicker at each other all the time about everything. But they're like, "You're not gonna leave him. You're not gonna leave them." So it's just like, "What are you gonna do?" You're just going to bicker at each other all the time. But ultimately, <laughs> you love each other. You're, you're here in life because of each other. And you just got to make peace with it, the whole thing. So Yeah. 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 There you go. <laughs> maybe a little bit, maybe a little problematic, but whatever. <laughs> uh, Fred Van Vliet, I think he definitely sparks joy this year. I think oh, he has sparked yeah. the most joy out of everyone in, in this in this season. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say he's not doesn't have flaws or whatever. But it just feels like Fred is almost always consistently making the right decision. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. 
And then again, like to go back to what we were saying about like Norman's Norman Powell's like reluctance to make uh, decisions. When Fred makes a not particularly great decision, there's still a confidence about it that I respect. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, Fred. Fred's been sparking joy for me specifically for years. <laughs> I just yeah. want to put that out there before everybody else he, got on to Fred. <laughs> you, you are the original Fred Van Bleet Stan. You and I guess all the Witches Day fans. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Me Apparently, and the, there's a they, rabid. Shockers. The shockers. They're I mean, the shockers. The shockers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They're like a giant. It's like a giant corn or like a giant sheaf of wheat. <laughs> That's me. Yeah. Me and them. <laughs> okay there you go good company but yeah fred is the easiest question he definitely sparks joy og for me also very easy answer because he is someone definitely that sparks joy um because he again makes consistently makes the right decisions right now his shooting is not good like he's 18 percent from three-point land after shooting 50 percent. but we can expect that honestly we could og's the guy who feeds off the ecosystem like og's like the frog of the raptors you know ecosystem you know like they always say if, if the frogs are dying that that's that means like there's a lot of things on the water there's things yeah. on the land yeah it's just a there's an environmental issue and if oj's shooting is down then he's like the frog it's like man it's because the offense isn't working when the offense is working and he's getting crisp passes and things are moving well and he's playing in transition he's gonna knock these things down so he OG the, the frog, frog. I, yeah he is the frog and, he, and he's frog like in his personality too because he's very strange <laughs> When he wears his big glasses that magnify his eyes. Yes, very frog. Yeah. <laughs> and he's wearing them quite often, too. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what the Raptors' uh, vision uh, plan is like. Is oh, it like it's the rest probably... of us and you get like $300 like, every two years? That's his one pair. He's like, I really got to make these last. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's actually more than 300 I had to cover the rest. <laughs> so I, I really love these. <laughs> Got UV light protection. Oh God, transition lenses. <laughs> oh no, but you know what, OG? Yeah, man, I I felt really bad for my little brother because uh, a couple years ago, my mom was buying him some glasses from Costco, and like she's like, "Yeah, these transition lenses makes a lot of sense. You don't have to wear sunglasses." And so, like in all his photos for like a year and a half, he just had like darkened sunglasses, <laughs> like he was like Bob McCowan, but as a sixteen-year-old. I mean, kind of advanced for his age, gotta say. <laughs> It did not look good, and, and, and he didn't really shave at the time either, so Damn. it wasn't a great look, but OG, I, I think he consistently is someone that, I mean, he plays great defense, he makes good decisions, whether he makes or misses the shot doesn't really matter to me, because I don't really see him taking shots outside the offense, and honestly, of late, in that Bulls game, he carried them, yeah. and, especially in that third quarter, and in that Sixers game, he was like the only player, aside from maybe Marc Gasol, who played really well, mm-hmm. and Mark had zero points in that game. Yeah, I mean, last night, too, he was, like, trying to do really big things. It didn't always work in his yep. favor, but uh, he was, he was like, giving it his all. OG is just, like, a true joy sparker in the sense of, like, when I see him anywhere in any context, I'm just like, what's he doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, he exactly. Do? He he really does have that Kawhi-like quality to him. You don't know what he's going to do next. It's a little unpredictable. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Serge Ibaka, this one is very difficult for me because I have to say, <laughs> right I gotta say, Serge Ibaka is the only guy on this list, really, when I look at him, I'm like, definitely not Sparky Joy. Oh, damn. And I, and I want to like Serge so much, man. Mm-hmm. But it's right now, the way he's playing, especially off that, uh, that, that ankle injury, which, again, was very serious. It wasn't like you just, you know, I think we kind of just trivialize ankle injuries in general in the NBA because people come back from them all the time. Like, the amount of times I've seen LeBron, like, have his ankle be perpendicular and then come back and play the rest of the game and have a triple-double, it's like, it's just, it kind of makes me feel like ankle injuries are not that serious. But... Serge missed like a month, mm-hmm. you know, and he wasn't necessarily the the quickest player before that. Uh, and it, I understand he's down right now, but it just feels like this year in particular, with the bench the way it is and everything like that, I thought Serge would actually fit really nicely with this team, especially as a scorer. Yeah. But it's, his, his his rhythm is off, his defense is off, and he's he's not really sparking joy for me. There's like two surges for me. There's like off court surge. Um, and his outfits and his show and like his other interests that he's pursuing almost like to the degree of a philanthropist, uh, which does spark joy for me. Mm-hmm. And then there's the surge that plays for the Raptors that I should theoretically care more about. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
but I can't reconcile with that other surge upward. Yeah, so, that's fair. That's fair. I don't know if that cancels out. I don't know if it's strong enough to cancel out the joy sparked by the, by Bizarro surge, <laughs> philanthropist surge. Yeah, off court surge is amazing. Yeah, and he's like a really nice guy, and he's he's putting on a movie soon, a, do- a new documentary about uh, his past summer bringing hmm. a Larry O'Brien trophy. Um, back home to Brazzerville and stuff like that. And it's like, it, that's amazing. But I want that surge past... <laughs> on the court. Yeah. I want to see it's him just, there. It, <laughs> it just it hasn't happened for Serge this year. He's, he's not sparking joy for me. I don't even, as a basketball player. Do you think Marcus they Saul, let him like wear one of his hats on the bench? It will help him out. Yeah. Like instead of like players like sitting on those giant cushions, like the comically large cushions, yeah. I have to say. They have someone like. They're ridiculously large. <laughs> They have someone dust off one of his ridiculously large hats and hand it to him yeah, yeah. every time he, he takes a he, seat. He looks so good in a flat cap in a way that Dan Reynolds doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. They both look good in flat caps, but Serge Ibaka is just definitely much better. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, anything to get Serge going, you know, the confidence. He's definitely a confidence level player. I think he's the player that thrives a lot on emotion and and this year it just hasn't really seemed like he's been sparked by very much he's had maybe a moment here or there but it you know yeah like if the raptors decided to ultimately say like hey we're trading Serge Ibaka to here for this and you know are you okay with it as a fan i'm like it'll really suck i really miss Serge. he was a great player he really did contribute to the championship but if they traded him this year and the trade was sensible i'll be like eh, you know it is what it is yeah, I mean, I was trying to think of a rebuttal, but a part of me was just like, no, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, Marcus All. I mean, again, also a very conflicted Joy Sparker because he's <laughs> such a weird player. Yeah. <laughs> like, most players score basketball, like, play basketball to score. and <laughs> Sometimes, you, it's true, you don't know what Mark's out to do. Like, yeah, is he out to clothesline someone? Is he out to stomp around? Does he know what his body's mm-hmm. doing at all times? I'm not sure, but Mark uh, Mark does spark joy for me. Yeah, he does for me too. Again, it just goes back to if you're making smart decisions out there, you spark joy for me. Mark is almost like everyone is um, like 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 everyone else, all the nine other players on the floor are trying to play bumper cars, and Mark is just like that one supervisor who's like in a Chuck E. Cheese shirt on the side, being like, "No, no, 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 don't do that." <laughs> Don't do that over but there. Do like, not. Hey, don't take off your helmet. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I feel like, especially when he runs plays with Norman Powell, it's very adorable. It's, it's, it's like it's like a crossing guard leading a school of children. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think ultimately Mark's defense. Honestly, if the Raptors didn't have Mark's defense and the offense was as ragged as it is now, it just I, I shudder at the thought of that. And again, I go back to that point. I, Marcus Gasol is the only guy that's uh, a plus. In terms of plus minus in the rotation, mm-hmm. I mean, in this stretch, hearing I gotta say personally, hearing Mark Gasol uh, speak Spanish in a in a post game scrum mm. sparked so much joy for me that I ran into a wall. So, all right, <laughs> I can't separate that from him. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. It's always that one Spanish reporter that's there too. It's beautiful. I think his name's Oscar. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um. <laughs> And also, Mark's super nice with everybody. Yeah. You know, it really takes time to answer everyone's questions. And he really is devoted to never wearing fashionable clothing. I don't know. I liked his his fun for sweatpants a lot. <laughs> yeah, he wears sweatpants a lot. Like, and I and I weird. I aspire. I aspire <laughs> to be on that level. If I'm 34 years old and wearing sweatpants that often, like, I'd be pretty happy. Like he's at um, athletes world, I think, looking in the bins because it's like, what what year are these from? But they look brand new. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Everyone else has like great gear on, like they're trying to stunt and everything like that. And then Mark is just there, like whatever guys. <laughs> Shaking people's hand, like Oh. Uh Ronde. Ronde is weird. He's just a weird guy in general. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely a, a guy who has many interests, and I, I think he's a fascinating guy. But as a basketball player, I hear the thing. I, I think Rondé would be a lot better if Serge wasn't on the floor with them all the time, because mm-hmm. I don't think the two of them fit together. Interesting. There was one play yesterday where Rondé was in one dunker spot, and Serge was in the other dunker spot, 
And that's not how the dunker spot works. <laughs> this isn't 1990s New York Knicks basketball. <laughs> so yeah, I don't think it's fitting very well. But on the whole, Rondé shows a lot of spirit. And his, his effort and his uh, energy stands out above the rest of the team. Yeah. Especially when everyone else is down. Rondé's the guy that's making all these plays. And I appreciate that about him. So Yeah, he had something sparked It's a weird him, joy, but he sparks it. Like when he got called out. uh and then he like mm-hmm. wasn't really there at all in the first like in the first part of the season, uh, and then like since then has consistently just like given it. So yep, yeah. So I gotta say, um, him his pink shoes. Did you notice last night he changed his shoes mid game? Which I was I did like, not notice that. he's trying to spark something for himself. I don't know that it worked. Well, he he did pick up four fouls in two minutes. <laughs> so he maybe should have kept the same shoes on. But fair enough. Um, Rondé sparks a tentative joy in me because I still, like, as a whole, I'm I'm still getting to know Rondé. Yeah. Sometimes he burns you. Sometimes you're like, <laughs> "What are you doing?" <laughs> like on on the floor in general, he's he does freestyle a lot. But I think for the bench, I think it does fit the ethos of the bench in terms of his offensive rebounding. Um, the unconventional ways in which he scores, like every even when he shoots a free throw, it looks like his arm is dislocating. <laughs> um, but like in general, I, I think he's been a pretty positive contributor, especially since he's cracked the rotation. And I just think I want to see what it looks like if Serge like missed one or two games. I want to see if Rondé suddenly comes back and is the impact for Rondé because offensively he almost has to play like a center, mm-hmm. but like a super mobile small ball center, like a weird Thad Young, and like you know he can be effective. So, um. He he's he's a spark joy, but he's it's a very weird joy. It's like it's you know, it's like a joy for me. It's yeah. like a joy when you you recognize someone, you think it's someone you know, but then you get really excited, and then you're like, oh, I don't know that person at all. <laughs> that's that's all right. that's for me. That's Rondé for me. <laughs> very very specific. Uh, and then you know Terrence Davis. Oh, well, and, and yes. Chris Boucher, but we'll, we'll Terrence yes, Davis. Terrence Davis, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. He's like a young puppy right now. The Raptors are training him to become an NBA player. And he does a lot of great things. Like The three-point shooting is legitimately eye-opening. Uh, he really is shooting the ball very well. Very confident. Mm-hmm. And I just like the speed that he plays at. Right now, my, I guess my issue with Terrence really is that he plays at one speed. Like He's just always darting to the basket no matter what's happening. <laughs> and sometimes he leaves a little drop-off pass for Serge that he always you know fumbles with his bad hands. <laughs> But for the most part, like I like I like the way he attacks the basket. I just wish, um, not even wish. I just think that over the time of this season and next season, things like that, like he's gonna learn how to change speeds, manipulate the pick and roll, and just sort of be more in control as a point guard. But he definitely does like some things right, well right now in terms of rebounding, shooting, and also going to the basket. And that's that's something you can work with. Those are three tangible skills you can put on your LinkedIn page right now. <laughs> and yeah, someone will endorse you when they get yes. suggested. You're like, yeah. Fred Van Vliet. He would be like, he is endorsing everything. Really good at that. I the like I about about Terrence Davis. I will say like he does kind of remind me in terms of like that not really have been able to uh, regulate his speed of when Pascal mm-hmm. couldn't do that either. Um, right. And it was just like full throttle, hundred percent of the time, which sometimes worked mm-hmm. and sometimes was like a real mess. Um. So I think like he's got. He's got some people uh, around him who can give him some good advice on, on how to do that. Right. And once he does that, yeah, yeah he's because he's kind of like this like Swiss Army knife guy. Like he pulls out what you need like, yeah, when yeah. you need it, but there needs to be mm-hmm. a bit more control because right now I feel like he's just flashing all the tools. <laughs> yeah. He's not really that also a st- secret. Stop fouling people. Stop it. <laughs> Enough. No more fouling three-point shooters, all right? Please. Yeah. Someone's got to find him like $100 and then pay him back at the end of the year or something. <laughs> Because rookie salaries are too low, um, and then Chris Boucher, who I gotta say I've really turned on Chris Boucher. You know, like at the start of the year, coming into training camp, I was like, we still have him on the team. Like, what what's going on? But you know, when you look at compare him to someone like Malcolm Miller, who also came out through that G League route, Boucher has really just found a niche for himself. Mm-hmm. He comes into the game and he just makes things happen. He's like his arms are crazy. He's energetic. He's everywhere. And you know he's he's shooting threes. He's like a like he can actually shoot threes to the point where he can play power forward now. And apparently, Nick Nurse's mind plays small forward. <laughs> um, 
But Chris Boucher definitely sparks joy. He's been one of the best surprises of the season. And with Serge coming back, his opportunities have been small and limited, and he's had to play that position. But I think he, him and Rondé together are a very nice front court, and I would like to see it more often. Yeah, we. I think we talked about this actually the last time um, you had me on, but just like I felt the same way about Boucher. I just like wasn't sold yet. I didn't really mm-hmm. see it. Um, he didn't really impress me too much, like at summer league or in training camp. Um, but that said, like he has found a niche, and he found it last yeah. night too. Like he was some of the best parts of that really depressing fourth quarter. Um, and yeah. as long as he can kind of keep perpetuating those moments for himself, like I think he does really have a niche because he's kind of this like real. He could be really deadly because he's just he's like quite silent and what he does and how he works out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like to see that I think would be super cool. Cause he's got this, like he's got a handle on that kind of like deadly control, but he's just like, he doesn't have it completely yet, but he could get it. So sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boucher sparks sparks future joy. Can we do like, like in a uh, Christmas Carol way, like a ghost of future joy to spark. <laughs> Sure, okay. that that's very odd, but <laughs> extremely yeah. festive. And then you know, Malcolm Miller for me doesn't spark anything, unfortunately. Yeah, when he was on the <laughs> and Pat McCaw is like, you know, Pat McCaw. I, I have to say though, like, I do. What is he doing? I do there? get a, a little bit of a thrill when he comes in and he's just like spinning around because he's like, "What am I doing here?" <laughs> like, I don't. Yeah, it's it's odd. I would call it Mac- joy. Maybe it's fear. Pat McCall reminds me of a, a child going uh, at an airport, you know, on this flight by himself, and you, you got like a travel agent to come with you, and he doesn't know what to do. He's like, "Should I buy like Pringles before I'm going on a plane? Like, what am I doing over here? Like, am I lining up?" He's lining up like two hours early for the flight, and they're like, "They're not even boarding right now." It's very confusing. He just he looks he looks kind of confused, mm-hmm. but yeah. Well, there you go. We, we we've we've sparked joy. We fixed the Raptors in a way. I don't think we fixed. We didn't the fix anything. Which, we just got to give them more time, but we we did offer commentary on all the players, and that's what the podcast is here for. Yeah. So, uh, Katie, is there anything else you want to talk about or plug or anything like that? <laughs> no, not really. Um, yeah, if like uh, if you haven't signed up for Basketball Feelings, please subscribe to my newsletter where we talk a lot in this kind of vein, where we me where I talk a lot. Uh, in this mm-hmm. kind of vein about basketball. So if you like this, you're going to love basketball feelings. There you go. And you should really make that presentation into like an actual PowerPoint <laughs> and like be like carve out the first like PowerPoint <laughs> corner in the NBA. You know, like there's not everyone. There's so much basketball writing and coverage and podcasting and videos and what, everything play breakdowns and stats and, you know, reporting and storytelling. And I could run you know, away with the just, PowerPoints. No one's doing NBA PowerPoints, uh-huh. and, and that could change very soon. <laughs> I'll, so, uh, thank you. I'll try. <laughs> thanks, for Kitty, for coming on the podcast. <laughs> Follow her on Twitter at whatevs, mm-hmm. W-T-E-V-S. Yes. And um, read all of her work, and go look and admire the photo of her and Doris Burke together. Oh, so, God. That, that, that sparked joy more than anything else, really. Oh, yeah. I'm still, yeah. yeah. I'm still sparked off that joy. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. So thanks everyone for listening to the podcast. KFC, you definitely spark joy. Thanks for uh, sponsoring the podcast. And we'll be back next week with more Raptors content. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.